This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you in part by Rosedale Communications, offering author-centric literary consulting, writing, and editing services to help you capture your voice, craft your message, edit your content, and publish your completed manuscript for business or ministry online at craftingyourmessage.com. Hey there, it's producer Michael Miracle here. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. We are your on-air resource as a workplace believer. And check out our website for tons more I Work For Him resources. We've got blogs and podcasts and reading material and all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, a link to listen to the live show several times a day. Yep, head to the website. That's IWorkForHim.com. IWorkTheNumber4Him.com. And the listen tab's up there on the top left. Click that, then click the live link, and you can listen to us live every weekday. That's IWorkForHim.com. I work the number four him.com. And now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for, hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our nine to five. This is the I Work For Him podcast. Hey, we're fueling the faith and work movement five days a week as we travel across the country for five weeks. Today, we're in sunny Cincinnati. Now, it's sunny, Martha, but it's probably a little on the chilly side for you. Yes, I said I might get brave and take my jacket off at some point today, but no, it is, it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful day. And I'm so thankful to be here. That's fantastic. And I'm thankful there's no snow. (laughs) Oh, come on. I can't believe you just say that. All right. So we're in Cincinnati. I want to make sure, though, I direct you out to our website, iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com. Check us out online. Send us a note. We'd love to hear from you. But at the same time, we'd also love you to check out Facebook. Like us on Facebook. I work for him. And in Instagram as well, right? Mm-hmm. You okay. got it. All right. But we'd love to get some feedback from you. Just go out to call our listener line. I work for him listener line 866-713-9675, 866-713-9675. All right. So for those of you that aren't familiar with Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio is a southern city connected to the north to the north and with all but it's all got the charm of a river city and in this great city hundreds of ministries are working together in conjunction with each other to bring the kingdom of God alive in workplaces and in neighborhoods all over the greater Cincinnati area. Today, we highlight the ministry of At Work on Purpose and the personal passion of Chuck Proudfit, its founder and its leader. Now, Chuck has been on the air with us one time way back when at the beginning of I Work For Him, so we're so glad we're sitting in his offices today in Mm -hmm. Cincinnati, Ohio, on the road again. Chuck Proudfit, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Well, we're just excited to be able to share this kind of... just be able to be in your office and get an experience today. We're going to be at some meetings with you. We're going to be able to see what's really going on in Cincinnati. Talk to us before we get into the show and what we're talking about uh, at Work on Purpose. Just talk about how, how did you come to be a Christ follower? Well, perhaps unlike many of the listeners, I didn't grow up in the church. My parents had both walked away from it. So I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, a real scenic place, but a very secular household. And it was actually my work life that indirectly led me to the Lord. So I graduate from Harvard. I have a degree in organizational development. I take a job at Procter & Gamble, which is a big multinational company Mm -hmm. here in Cincinnati and brings many people here. But I spent my first uh, early years working on toilet paper. Oh, yeah. Talk about this toilet paper project, because when you told me about that, I giggled. I giggled out loud. People have no idea. (laughs) Well, let's just say... 
I learned early that there can be a huge gap between the way you think work is going to be and how it really turns out to be. If you could imagine being 22 years old and you're about to graduate, excited about your career and climbing the corporate ladder and making a difference in the work world. And then my first week at work, I was assigned to a team. It was called a SWAT team, which was short for sell white cloud toilet paper at $2 a four roll. And (laughs) we spent six months researching that proposition. But White Cloud, which is now Charmin Ultra, was softer and thicker than anyone wanted to pay for. And at the end of six months, the conclusion was we needed to take a price increase indirectly. So we took 30 sheets off of each roll. And I worked with manufacturing plants around the country, took 30 sheets off and then wound the rolls more loosely. So the diameter was the same as before the sheet count reduction. We took a small increase in the thickness of the paper. My job was to market it as new and improved, new because it had 30 fewer sheets and improved because it was thicker. And, uh, you know, for the P and G listeners, this is not illegal. This is not unethical. <laughs> this is like when you go home and you open up a bag of potato chips, you know, and it looks really full, but it's mostly air. And then you've got chips on the bottom. Yes. It's the same thing. But I remember how empty I felt. I was, I got promoted from this project and yet it didn't feel fulfilling to me mm-hmm. at all. And I remember I, I lived in a neat little area of Cincinnati. I could walk to work and I was walking home. And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to get promoted for short sheeting the consumer. It just mm-hmm. felt so empty to me. And I, I realized, although nobody had ever told me this, when I was growing up, I was kind of living out a storyline that says you go to school and you get good grades so you can get a good job and make lots of money and retire comfortably and die with a lot of toys to pass on. And I was at the part where I'd gone to a really good school and I got really good grades. And I had a really good job. I was making really good money and I was really miserable and I had no idea what to do about mm. that. None. So I was having a midlife crisis at 22 (laughs) and it was in that level of frustration or exasperation that I just, I started remembering that while I was at Harvard, I had friends who had found God, all kinds of different faith traditions. But I thought to myself, you know, maybe there's a spiritual underpinning that I need to figure out for my own life. Maybe that'll help point me to fulfillment in life and at work. And that led to a 10 year spiritual search (laughs) which led me to Christ at age 31 as a young working professional. So the way God worked it out, my frustration with work led me to faith. And now God's called me to focus on faith lived out at work. Well, and that's That's a great circle. I love that. I love that. So awesome. So when you hear, I work for him, how does that resonate with you today? Well, that's everything about what at work on purpose stands for. Mm -hmm. We work for the Lord. Uh, and, and scripture speaks so directly to this, right? Colossians 3, 23, 24, do your work as unto the Lord, mm-hmm. not unto men, knowing you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. The vast majority of working Christians don't connect faith and work. So they may have a great experience at their local church on the weekends, but that's on Sunday. And when Monday rolls around, they walk into the workplace where they have to go to work. Mm-hmm. They don't feel any spiritual connection with work. They, they believe maybe in some abstract sense that maybe God had something more for them, but they don't know what it is. And if I contrast that with the way I see our lives at work spiritually, we've got a great commission, right? That we're supposed to be pursuing together. We know from Ephesians that 
that God has prepared us as his workmanship with good works prepared in advance for us to do. And, and we know that we're supposed to do it to the glory of God, mm-hmm. Colossians 3, 23, 24. And we also know that Romans eight twenty eight God works for the good of those who've been called according to his purpose. He's working alongside us. And I look through scripture and it's filled with all these stories of work life, all these climactic moments of biblical history. And yet somehow we have so instituted institutionalized Mm. the separation of church and work that it's not just the secular world that doesn't embrace faith at work it's christians who don't recognize faith and work so the idea of i work for him yes you do and every christian does but most of us don't realize it so tell us where did at work on purpose come from that came from Rick Warren's then newly published book, The Purpose Driven Life. Mm -hmm. So I was reading that book, uh, you know, relatively soon after I committed my life to Christ. And I loved the book, but I remember at the time I was reading it and I thought to myself, where's the purpose driven work in this book? I mean, work had only a glancing mention. And I thought to myself, we should be very purposeful in our work. Most Working Christians spend most of their waking hours at work. Why wouldn't work be a central focus area for faith? And out of that emerged this concept of being at work on God's purposes, which got shortened to at work on purpose. So you, what are some of the things when you look at, you know, that was 2003, you started this. I mean, it's, right. a, it's a long time ago. How have you seen God morph the vision that he laid on your heart in 2003 to where we sit today in 2018. How has God taken that vision and grown it and expanded it in the last 15 years? <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of that, that piece of scripture that God can do immeasurably more than you could ask for or imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's taken this ministry places we never asked for or imagined, but they've been immeasurably better than anything that we could have ever conceived. Originally, At Work on Purpose wasn't a ministry. It was a small group that I brought together about a dozen working Christians because I just wanted a a support group for faith at work. That's all it was. (laughs) And we met every couple weeks just to talk about what it would look like to bring faith into our day-to-day work lives and how did we see God moving at work. And the conversations were electric. The Holy Spirit was moving. And before we knew it, I mean, literally within months, we were getting dozens of people who wanted to participate. And then it was hundreds and then it was thousands. And suddenly in this very organic way, we saw the emergence of a community that was also becoming a ministry. And I remember how befuddled I was because this was not our plan. It was, <laughs> it was God's plan. And I remember one day, uh, Seth Godin had recently published the book Tribes. And uh, there's a neat cover to the book and a subtitle. The subtitle says, we need you to lead us. And there's this picture of a guy who's a stick figure and there are all these people around him. Talking with Chuck Proudfit. He's the president and founder of At Work On Purpose. And this is a ministry that's making a huge impact, not only in Cincinnati, but across the country. But we're going to let Chuck Proudfit tell that story. Chuck, right before the break, you were talking about Seth Godin's book, Tribes, and how it impacted you. And I'd asked you that question, how has God morphed the vision from 15 years ago to today? 
for at work on purpose. Right. And what I was sharing with you was we started as a small group of about a dozen people. And then all of a sudden it became dozens and then hundreds and then eventually thousands. And I related to Seth Godin's book and this visual image on the front cover where there's a stick figure guy in the middle and all these people surrounding him. And the subtitle of the book tribes is we need you to lead us. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt. I was in the middle and there were all these folks coming to me and saying, this is really growing and this is exciting. And we want this and we want that. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, what is this? See, my training was in organizational development and my career path had been in corporate America. This is where you learn how to build organizations. Sure. At work on purpose was growing as an organism, not mm. an organization. I didn't know how to lead. And I remember praying at the time. I'm like, God, I don't know what it looks like to lead this. And I remember distinctly the response that I got. First part was sit down, Sparky. I'm leading it. You're not. <laughs> that, that was the first point. It's like the best way for you to lead is to follow, mm-hmm. which I've really remembered in, in all this time since the second thing, I knew this was from God cause it made no sense to me at the time. I heard stop thinking along the lines of leadership and start thinking like a journalist. Hmm. I know I'm like, what? But at the time I'd been reading a book called experiencing God by Blackaby. Yes. Sure. And that the gist of that book is you don't have to have a mountaintop experience to figure out where God's taking you or what to do with your life. Sometimes you just see where God's already moving and you join him there. Right. Well, what do journalists do? They see where the story is and they join it there. What do radio folks do? They see where the story is and they join it there. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And all of a sudden, I realized that God was saying to me, look where I, God, am already moving in the marketplace, in the working world, and go see what I'm doing there. And I want you, Chuck, I want you to bring visibility to that. Celebrate it. I want you to ask, how can we help? What does support or resourcing look like? And I want you to start connecting these different leaders and ministry initiatives to each other. And so that has been the focus of our approach to leadership ever since. And what's emerged out of that has been a spiritual network of influence through the working world across the city of Cincinnati. So today, how big, have, well, just how big is Cincinnati? Tell people, I mean, how many million people in all the, the yeah. city and the suburbs around yeah, Cincinnati? Great question. Greater Cincinnati has about 2 million people. Okay of whom about a million are working or looking for work. And of those, about 350,000 are self-identified as working Christians. Mm-hmm. However, of all of those, only about 5%, about 18,000 actively integrate faith and work. And that's consistent with statistics that you would see nationally. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's only a remnant of working Christians who are truly becoming the church at work right now. And that's a significant deal because when you look at the impact on the kingdom and you look at people understanding God's purpose for them, if, if Christ followers can't connect their faith and their work, then the, there's no hope of actually bringing non-Christ followers in a workplace to understand who God is and what his purpose is for their work and for their lives. I mean, we have to equip Christ followers to understand that it's not just the Christianity is not just for them that, that that great commission was bringing the kingdom wherever you go. Absolutely. And it's amazing when you look at the early church, if you go back and read the book of Acts and you consider 120 believers in the upper room become believers, 
half the adult population of the Roman Empire within 250 years. And how did that happen? How did it happen just the way that you were describing it, Jim? It was through relationships. And if you go back and reread scripture in the book of Acts, like Acts 2 and Acts 4, you hear about how people of means would occasionally sell their resources, bring them to the feet of the apostles who would distribute them to people who had needs, right? The means and the needs were connected by the apostles who were like dispatchers. If you read that scripture with the eyes and the ears of a working person, they had a network, Mm -hmm. a spiritual network of influence. That's what at work on purpose is. We are a spiritual network of influence across greater Cincinnati. The thing is though, it sounds like big that we have connected to over 10,000 working Christians in this city. And I do celebrate that. But my point is we estimate there are about 18,000 faith active working Christians in greater Cincinnati right now. So about half of the active faith, active working Christians in Cincinnati don't know that at work on purpose exists. Right. right? Uh, And there are 350,000 working Christians in this city and the vast majority of them aren't connecting faith at work at all. So what does it look like for us to grow the church through work? It looks like what the early church did, earning the favor of the people. Mm. And what that looks like is recognizing that we all have different jobs, but when we go to work, our real employer is the Lord and our real assignment is ministry in the day-to-day marketplace to be on mission in the day-to-day work life that we have. We're in Cincinnati today talking with Chuck Proudfit from At Work On Purpose. You need to check out this ministry online at workonpurpose.org. That's at workonpurpose.org. Yeah, so I'm excited for people to actually hear what this looks like. You know, I think that um, they can start to see the connection that, okay, there is – you know, living it out. And you see this opportunity that there's so many Christ followers that don't understand the connection that aren't actively, I think, I don't remember how you said it, is actively integrating their faith in their work. And um, so what is it that At Work On Purpose does to help people learn that there is a connection and or what are they facilitating? <laughs> what a great question. You know, I was asking that question. What does it look like to, in practical terms, to understand faith at work and to apply faith at work? When I was at Harvard, I did a lot of research projects. So I decided to do one (laughs) for that question. I spent two years interviewing hundreds of working Christians all over the country. They were in different jobs, different industries, different tenures. Some were new to work. Some were close to retirement. What was fascinating, there are five overarching spiritual struggles that we all face at work. And for these, there are five spiritual solutions. They come straight out of scripture and the at work on purpose OS, if you will, our operating system, Mm -hmm. our method for integrating faith and work, teaching people to do that revolves around these five things. We, we think of them as choices that we face every day at work. So the first struggle is sacred versus secular. Mm. Will we view work as one aspect of an integrated life of faith or a separate space where God is not present? And we face that every day. That is the first struggle. The solution is to understand that work is truly a form of worship. If we can come to truly believe that, then it changes everything about how we start to consider or conceptualize our day-to-day work life. The -hmm. second struggle is calling versus career. Will we pursue the vocation for which God created us or settle for the career that the world tells us is better? Mm -hmm. 
And inside of that is an understanding that we have many jobs over the course of a career, but our calling is really to serve other people to God's glory wherever we happen to be assigned in the moment. Hmm. The third struggle is righteousness versus compromise. Will we uphold God's standards of conduct at work or succumb to the standards of the work world? Mm. And all you have to do is go on the daily news and we're just constantly bombarded by the failings and the fall, right? All of the, the bad decisions and the ethical lapses. And it's the Christian's opportunity to stand for something better. And how do we do that? By following principles biblically while we work and teaching other people to do the same. Mm -hmm. The fourth struggle is growth versus stagnation. Will we view work as a critical arena for spiritual formation or just a place to get a paycheck? Mm. The reality is that the average local church congregation is under a hundred people in size. Mm -hmm. The average everyday working Christian has a sphere of influence of about 250 people three times the size of the congregation of the average local church. Right. If we could start to think of ourselves as being in ministry in the marketplace, we can reach so many people spiritually through our assignment, our deployment in the day-to-day workplace. If we can see it that way, we need to develop people in and through our work. And last but not least is the struggle of stewardship versus ownership. Will we view the resources of the work world as belonging to God for his purposes or belonging to us for ours? Sitting right here with Chuck Proudfit from At Work On Purpose, a ministry helping us just to understand the purpose that, that God gave us our work and that it was on purpose and that we have a purpose in our work. Chuck, for the listeners that are just joining us here at the bottom of the half hour, why don't you just give us an idea of at work on purpose. What you know? If somebody were to call Chuck Prophet and say, "I want to do what you're doing in Cincinnati. I want to do that in Minneapolis." What does it look like? What is it that you're doing? So what we're doing, it's really what God has done through us. And we were led there Mm -hmm. is the formation of what today we call citywide marketplace ministry. The way I, in simple terms, describe this, every city has marketplace ministries, but not every city has a citywide marketplace ministry network or community in the way that we've experienced it. Where I first was exposed to that concept or that term was through Regent University. I got a call from a professor there, Jason Benedict, who'd been doing a multi-year study on marketplace ministries in different cities. And I'd never heard of him. I had no idea he was doing a study. Mm-hmm. He called me, he said, Chuck, are you aware that you guys are far and away the largest citywide marketplace ministry in the country? And I said, no. I said, I don't even know what that is. I said, all I know is that we've, at that time, we'd reached about 5,000 working Christians in Cincinnati out of 350,000. So I told him, I said, our, our market share sucks. <laughs> said, We're not doing very well. And he said, yeah, but he said, most marketplace ministries max out at like 100, 200 people who are participating. He said, what is it that's led to that scale? And well, we've never reflected on that at all. And it led us down a path to do some uh, self-reflection. And out of that emerged a definition, at least for us, of what we've experienced as citywide marketplace ministry, which has four distinctive facets to it. The first one is a bigger vision. In our case, we've established a big, holy, audacious goal, our version of a BHAG, that a day would come 
when all 350,000 working Christians in this city are faith active at work. Mm. And that will only happen when we are able to mobilize the entire church at work. It's got to be bigger than any one local church, any one denomination. It's got to be all of us pushing for a bigger vision like that. And that's distinctive because the vast majority of marketplace ministries will have a specific area of focus or a niche, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what we're talking about here is a much more holistic view of the church capital C at work being fully mobilized. So that's the first distinctive characteristic. The second one is the ecumenical quality that we've established here, that we cut across church homes, denominations, Mm -hmm. zip codes, and ministries. We have built a culture within At Work on Purpose where Pentecostals and Presbyterians are side by side, right? They are working together, or Catholics and Protestants, uh, people who theologically would view free will as the way to go or predestination. But when it comes to the basics of just being the church at work, right? The common cause of Christ at work, it brings us all to the table. And I can't tell you how significant that is because in general, the local church and often marketplace ministries are siloed right? because they're so broken apart by some of these denominational or organizational or congregational differences. And I'm not saying that they don't matter. What I am saying is in the conduct of everyday life at work, what matters more is the basics of just being the church at work, being faith filled at work, right? So that second one is distinctive. The third one is that we operate as a spiritual network of influence across the city. In other words, we look a lot like the early church. And this was the original premise of ecclesia. Most people don't understand the context of that word. In Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus is typically quoted to say, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. What Jesus literally said was, I will build my ecclesia. And the reason that is so significant and very strategic is that ecclesia is a concept that predated Jesus' time on earth by hundreds of years. It was created in Greece as a governing assembly and perfected by Rome. So when Jesus said, I'll build my ecclesia to the people of his day when he's preaching, they heard that and they understood what they had seen as ecclesia from Rome. When Rome would conquer a territory, they would win the peace by sending out what was called an ecclesia. This was a small number of upstanding Roman citizens who would move into the conquered territory. Mm -hmm. They would move in with the locals and acculturate them in the language and the lifestyle of Rome until everyone around them walked and talked like a Roman. Wow. So when Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, what he really meant was, I'm going to raise up a small number of fully devoted followers who will penetrate the culture around them for Christ and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against Mm. them. That is a very different strategic understanding of the church than what we think of today as the local church. And I don't mean this to be critical in any way of the local church. I'm an elder in a local church, but what I'm saying is Jesus was talking about mobilizing Uh, an infantry Mm -hmm. that would go out into the culture. And we've lost the flavor for that and the strategy in that. So that's distinctive point number three. We're talking with Chuck Proudfit in Cincinnati, Ohio today. His ministry at work on purpose, transforming the lives of Christ followers to take their faith and connect it to their work. And Chuck, you've just said, okay, so it's understanding that, um, 
so many points of, of things that you're trying to do. But you, you, number one was that we need to have vision, that, that you're working across denominational lines. We need to operate as a spiritual network of influence, the, the ecclesia. And really, when you look at Christ followers, how, that's how they transformed the Roman Empire. I mean, the Roman Empire, first they started killing Christians. And eventually, 300 AD, they led the Roman Empire, the Roman emperor to Christ. Yes. So, And that was all through spiritual, us living out our faith in the community. Yes, not not evangelism per se, but whole life discipleship. We're just showing people, this is my life's been transformed by Christ. This is what it looks like. But it goes back to, I just want to bring it up before you get to point four. All of this depends on an understanding that, that God's whole good news started with, he created us and in the creation, he created work before the fall, before evil entered into this whole world, God created us and work. And those were, work was a good thing. It wasn't a result of the curse. It was a good thing. God blesses said, go cultivate the garden and, and make it thrive. And I can't think of the exact words he uses, but the whole idea is that we've done that work. Everything above the ground was once below the ground. So we've been cultivating, but people need to understand and I think Christ followers just really, we really struggle with that concept that work is a gift from God. And in that work, we demonstrate aspects of God. We demonstrate features of God. That's really important for Christ followers to understand. That's a huge point. I have heard it preached from the pulpit and it is not correct that work is a curse mm-hmm. and it is not. God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. Hmm. And at the time of the fall, God cursed the ground. If you go back and mm-hmm. read scripture, right. he did not curse work, but because of the fall work becomes toil. It becomes harder. But even in the midst of all of that, our job is to redeem work and to redeem life and to redeem the world, you know, as we walk with God and, um, it's almost like a giant reclamation project where we're really trying to bring back what was lost or to restore what used to be in place. So talk to us about point number four. Right. So if, if we know that point number one is a bigger vision, point number two is an ecumenical posture. Point number three is a spiritual network. Mm -hmm. Point number four is the idea that we connect the dots between marketplace resources and what, we could call city reaching. There are many uh, initiatives to do city reaching, city transformation, um, you know, spiritually uh, bringing the, the whole church, bringing the whole gospel to the whole city, that kind of thing. The, the interesting dynamic, though, is typically when you see efforts like that underway in different cities, you'll see local church pastors who will gather together to pray for a city. They'll eventually engage uh, different ministries, uh, social service agencies, stuff like that. But the marketplace is often uh, approached at the time that you need funding. Mm-hmm. So now it's, it's, you know, we need money to go do stuff. And in our case, what we've been doing is actively incorporating the marketplace at the ground floor of city reaching initiatives. And give us an example of what that looks like. Cause people hear city reaching initiatives and they think blah, 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 blah. I don't understand. What does it mean? Yeah, that's a great point. Well, uh, let me give you one example in the area of greater Cincinnati. We call Mason, Ohio. <clears throat> We've established an incubator and accelerator that's faith-based, which has generated 70 jobs, uh, and 
literally over the years, hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit that's being released for ministry work. And this is a way to create employment for people who didn't have it, uh, to create an economic tax base in a city that didn't have it. Uh, This particular building had been abandoned. It was an eyesore in the community. It's now been completely rehabbed. And so now for the, the community of Mason, it's something to look forward to coming to rather than a place that you want to avoid. Uh, this, this is what it looks like. It looks like um, reclaiming aspects of our community where we work and where we live and, and fixing it up, seeking the peace and prosperity of the city. Mm-hmm. And my point is simply that everyday working people can play a role in this. It's not in a sense that we delegate that to government or we delegate that to the local church. Everyday people who are deployed in different jobs and industries, organizations, we are strategically positioned in different neighborhoods, in different areas of a city, in different industries to be able to serve and help. And it's not just with money. It could be leadership talent. Right. Uh, it could be other people inside an organization whose skills could be deployed to be helpful in an area. It could be facilities that you open up a building uh, where ministries can meet and stuff like that. It could be that simple. Or maybe it's some sort of an organized initiative. I remember years ago when I worked as a general manager at LensCrafters Corporation, and it was a it was a simple management role. But my point is that at the time I was there, we had a program called Gift of Sight. And the idea was that when you get new eyeglasses, you donate your old ones. And then those could be uh, given away to poor people who couldn't afford them. Uh, and that the optometrist would give eye exams for free. And all of that was birthed at the time by uh, a team that included a CEO who was a Christian. And he viewed these as mission trips, if you will, you know, to go out there and, and to lead this program forward. Now, it sure. obviously didn't use Christian language, but lens crafters at the time, it was living out its vision to be the best at helping the world to see uh, and doing it by taking the thing that they're strategically positioned to do, which is vision care mm-hmm. and making it accessible to people who don't have resources. And that's that's what I'm reaching. talking about. At Work on Purpose. Check it out online at atworkonpurpose.org, atworkonpurpose.org. All right, Chuck, I, I always want to make sure that the listeners have a real clear understanding. So when they're done with listening to the show, they could do your 30 second commercial that they understand hey, this is what at work on purpose is really doing so you've talked about city transformation you've talked about this network of 5,000 10,000 Christ followers that are taking their faith to work and they understand that connection between faith and work yet it's still a small percentage of the 350,000 proclaimed Christ followers here in the greater Cincinnati area tell us how you are when At Work on Purpose is mobilized and on the ground, what does it look like? So, so people can understand, here's how I can do it in my city. Great question. Just because we look like an organism doesn't mean that we're not organized. <laughs> the way that we're organized, if, if you think about a network, typically what a network looks like is it has nodes, right? Which are, are little areas of focus and then they're connected together. Mm-hmm. And, and imagine a horizontal spread where you've got all these nodes and all these little network connections. That's what we look like. So what are the nodes? The nodes are specific marketplace ministry initiatives. And they not only are focused on integrating faith at work in their special way, but the leaders of those initiatives are also open to the idea of being connected to this larger network so that they get to meet and work alongside the other leaders. They can route information and connections back and forth, right? 
And that's very intuitive to people that are accustomed to building a network in the sure. marketplace. But it's, it's, you well, look at that in a spiritual per, Any good way. salesperson knows they have to have a huge network of people in all different kind of industries that are reaching the same target market. Absolutely. So if you're business to business, you got to network with people that are business to business. If you're business to consumer, you network with people that are business to consumer. So you, you can build that network. Here we're talking about Christ followers who are connecting their faith and their work and understanding that work is a gift from God. When you say they've got a specific marketplace ministry initiative and you're, you're connecting people who have all these different specific marketplace ministry initiatives, what, is, what, what do you mean? Uh, marketplace ministry initiative. What, what, what's one of those look like? Sure. Well, I'll give you a few quick examples. Okay. Uh, one of them, it's uh, called purposeful employment. So this is the idea. It, it was birthed out of faith-based job transition when the economy crashed in 2008. There was a ministry here that was helping people uh, find new jobs and it was overwhelmed by the, the number of requests for assistance. Mm -hmm. And so sure. over the course of about three months through the network that we have, we built 22 satellite locations across greater Cincinnati so that anyone out of work wouldn't have to drive more than 10 minutes to get to an area where they could get support with the job transition, but it was faith-based. And that, that would be one example. Another example would be uh, what we call business faith-based entrepreneurs who are essentially growing what you would might call kingdom enterprises, right? They are dedicated to God from the beginning and then commissioned for a kingdom purpose. But those entrepreneurs are together with a focus on business tree, as we call it, but they are doing it as a community, but they also know about the purposeful employment stuff. So the leaders are connected to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and another example would be folks that are really interested in chaplaincy, you know, chaplains that can go into different organizations and serve in a crisis situation. We've got a set of chaplains that uh, we work with, but those leaders are also connected into this network. And I could keep going, but my point is what it boils down to at the end of the day is people who are willing to go deep in their area of expertise or their special calling with faith at work, but they're also willing to go broad to be connected to this larger network. Sometimes you'll have marketplace ministry initiatives that are doing really good work, but they'll go deep and they won't go broad. And other times you'll have them, they'll want to go broad and deep, right? And that's what we're looking for. And for At Work on Purpose, our primary focus is to go broad. We're trying to make sure we're building all these connections so that we can route people to the places where they can go deep. Mm. So you really become a resource for a Christ follower for connection. I mean, like, hey, I really feel this call in my life. Chuck, where do I go? Who's doing this? How can I learn from what they're doing? I mean, is that some of what you do? Yes. In many ways, we're a connector or a dispatcher, just like I was saying, the, that's what the apostles were in the early church. Right. They were dispatchers. And you're encouraging. Go ahead. But it seems like to me, you know, I know Jim and I are both very like visual. Give me the, what does it look like kind of thing. But one of the things I, th I think I'm hearing you say is it's really a change of heart. You've got 350,000 people that claim to be Christ followers, but they're not living it out. And you're seeing the growth because people's hearts are being changed and saying, I understand that I need to live it out in my work. And, yeah. and then, and then God moves them to do things with employment or to do things with um, different aspects based on needs that they see. Is that a yes, good summary? That, that's a great way to say it. And let me just uh, add to that just mm -hmm. a little bit in a sense 
a working Christian who's actively integrating faith and work starts with a general identity. What I mean by that is I am on mission in the marketplace. I need to be in ministry through my day-to-day work. So that is my, my general identity. I'm a part of the church at work. I'm a working Christian. Then there is what I'll loosely call a specific identity. There may be a specific industry that they're called into where, man, where I can really serve and help is in eye care, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's somebody who says, you know, my, my real heart is in chaplaincy or, or I'm a faith-based entrepreneur. And that's a specific identity, but it's a community that also has a general identity. It's both and, Mm -hmm. and that's hard to cultivate. Well, and it seems like you're really encouraging lots of, I mean, because every Christ follower in the workplace has a different call in their life. And so trying to help them understand that and embrace that, I mean, you've got a lot on your shoulders. I mean, as as you tackle Cincinnati, there's a lot that you're trying to accomplish, but you're really trying to get all of the people that God has placed in this greater network and get them to all see each other so they can all work synergistically. And that is so hard. Talk- there's, a, there's an expression I like to use. And I have found in ministry that everything tends towards silos unless acted upon by an outside force. <laughs> mm. I'm, I'm a little play on physics here. You know, everything tends towards entropy unless acted upon by an outside force. I don't know why it is, but you certainly see it in the local church with denominations mm-hmm. and congregations that are split apart. But you see it in marketplace mm-hmm. ministries, too. Talk to me about impact. What are you seeing as you've been 15 years doing this in Cincinnati? How has Cincinnati changed now that you have 10,000 Christ followers living their faith out in their work? Well, we've reached a tipping point where there's visibility. So we've kind of hit the radar screen where there's more and more awareness that we're out there. So the idea of faith at work is more visible and the idea of at work on purpose as a ministry in that space is more visible. One example of that, that is so encouraging to me over the last year, we've established a learning community of about a dozen local churches with a representative, a pastoral staff person from a local church and a marketplace person attending that church. And together, we are creating a bunch of prototypes for work-life ministry in and through the local church. And these are local churches from all kinds of different denominations and areas of the city that normally would never do anything together. And yet, they have agreed to come together for this learning community in faith at work. How exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those kinds of things didn't happen 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm celebrating that kind of progress. The other part of it, though, Jim, is when people visit us from around the country and around the world at this point to study this model, what they say time and again is we have never visited a place or we rarely see a place where there are so many relational connections where marketplace ministry people know each other and they're working together with each other and you've created this community of support and encouragement. That is easy to say, but it's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. You've got a specific initiative that you executed earlier this year called the Business Street Boot, Boot Camp. Yeah. What was that about? You, you take a minute. Talk, talk to me what that was about. Well, this idea of business tree, so the, in simple terms, uh, faith-based enterprises or kingdom enterprises, we have a whole community of these business tree entrepreneurs in Cincinnati and actually around the country and overseas as Absolutely. well. And we were getting a lot of requests for additional training. 
well, we came up with an idea that we would do a business reboot camp. It wasn't for people preparing to launch a new enterprise. It was actually for business entrepreneurs who are up and running, but they're looking to go deeper in best practices to grow the enterprise and to grow faith application mm-hmm. in the enterprise. Mm-hmm. Well, we decided to use Facebook Live as a way for us to engage people all around the world. And it was so fun for me. We had a, a neat location on site that was a, a perfect place to have it. And we had, I don't know, 15 or 20 people locally and hundreds who were dialing in from around the world. So it was literally a global community of these faith-based entrepreneurs. And we were walking deeper into what we describe as a head for business with a heart for ministry, mm. a both and. I had a ball. It was a Saturday morning, took about four hours. And you're going to do another one, you said sometime th- maybe this fall? Yeah, we may do another one this year. For sure, we're going to do one every year. And we've decided in addition to just a business reboot camp that we're using Facebook Live and other streaming kinds of technologies to offer equipping mm. in other areas as well. So for example, those five choices that I described to right. you, Uh, represent a training tool that we call the Choices Profile, and we're doing that as well. Chuck, I know there's so much more, but I want to thank you for being on iWorkroom today, for sharing a little bit about At Work On Purpose. Thank you, Chuck Proudfit. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure you check them out online at atworkonpurpose.org, atworkonpurpose.org. You've been listening to iWorkroom with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.